Hi, this is Aaron Orlando reporting for the Revelstoke Mountaineer. I'm joined on the phone by Bill Green, who is the candidate for the Green Party in the riding of uh, Kootenai, Columbia in the upcoming federal election. Uh, thanks for joining us, Bill. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you. So, Bill, um, for anyone who doesn't know you or hasn't met you, please uh, let's start with the basics. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background uh, as it uh, relates to your uh, candidacy in the election. Okay. Uh, Bill Green. I'm a biologist. I've worked in the Columbia Basin on uh, aquatic biology, water fish, and water ecosystems for the last 20 years. I uh, live in Kimberley. Love the Kootenays. Love Kimberley. Uh, my family, I uh, raised my family earlier on Vancouver Island, where I worked on the west coast of Vancouver Island as an aquatic biologist, and I've also worked in uh, New Guinea for four years prior to that. So basic background in biology, community economic development, and community-based resource management. I now run a uh, First Nations fisheries conservation organization called the Columbia River Intertribal Fisheries Commission. And that involves uh, the Maha and Sequatic nations. Mm-hmm. And foc- focused on uh, two things. One, protecting and preserving the fish, fish habitat and aquatic ecosystems that we have. And re- restoring salmon uh, throughout their historic range in the upper Columbia. Mm-hmm. All right, Bill, thank you. And um, why are you running in the selection? Uh, well, I ran in the last election, enjoyed the process and uh, really committed to a bunch of key issues, the most important of which is uh, fixing our democratic system. I think we have, it's pretty badly broken. I think we see declining voter participation. I think that's a, when we see that, we should be pretty concerned about why don't people want to choose their government anymore. So I think there's a lot of reasons for dismay about uh, our current uh, democratic system. And I think we need to work hard to fix that. So that's the most important thing that's driving me. I'm thinking of things like not only electoral reform, which means changing the way that votes are counted to uh, choose our, our representatives, our MPs, but also reforming the way that Parliament works. And uh, that means things like reducing the power of the party leaders and the prime ministers so there's fewer votes where members of a particular party are forced to vote in a particular way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, we've seen the example with our current MP who uh, had to change his tune after he announced something in Revelstoke in terms of opposition to a bill. And so we, uh, we need to fix that system so MPs can represent the people in their writing rather than representing the party and the government to the people in their writing. And that's a fundamental difference and fundamental uh, thing we, we have to fix to restore people's faith in our democratic system. That's the most important thing that's driving me, but uh, things like uh, dealing with climate change, building a green economy in this region or strengthening the green economy that we have, um, and uh, reforming Canada's position on the world stage, returning us to a humanitarian and respected middle power role. Um, Bill, you talked about um, electoral reform uh, and and some suggestions for um, getting the vote out and and, and changing the way the the party system works. 
Um, but in order to do that, you have to to get to Ottawa first. Um, you you ran uh, in the 2011 election. You garnered uh, just under six percent of the vote. Um, how are you going to get more people out to vote during this election? And I guess the second part of that question is, how are you going to get them out to vote for you? Okay, great question. Uh, the main thing I learned in the last election is campaigning is very hard work. You have to be completely dedicated to it. I do have a full-time job, but I'm taking three months off uh, prior to the election, at which time I will be knocking on a lot of doors. And uh, I've learned that uh, that's one of the things that candidates have to do to meet people and, and uh, deliver, deliver information to them, hear their concerns, and uh, hopefully gain their interest and support. So a lot of uh, door knocking throughout this very large writing. But overall, it's going to be a lot of hard work that's going to make the difference this time. And also built a very strong campaign team. So uh, particularly in the West Kootenays, we have a new part of our writing now as a result of uh, redistribution of electoral districts. So Nelson, Caslow, and Salmo and that whole area now are a new part of our writing. And there's a lot of green strength in that part, and I'm certainly seeing it in uh, our campaign team. A lot of uh, committed, passionate, and bright uh, younger campaigners uh, managing my campaign, doing the communications. So having a strong campaign team, uh, building the financial war test that we're going to need, and working really hard are kind of key things that I'm going that I am focusing on. And then, well, broadly, how do we, uh, or more specifically, how do we um, convince people to vote green? Um, I think, you know, we we're not interested in the, uh, the split your vote, split the vote thing, which many people are talking about. Uh, it's no use within. Uh, between the Greens, Liberals, NDP, about battling it out for that 35 or 40% of the vote. We need to do three things. One, we need to get higher voter participation. We need to deliver a positive message that people need to be voting for the positive change they want. I think that's, secondly, that's uh, a message that I think can resonate with uh, young people. Uh, young people feel particularly disenfranchised in our current system, and we need to uh, work hard for younger people to feel empowered to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the third piece is so we need to, the votes we need are going to come from uh, new voters, uh, young voters, and the third piece is uh, we think there people are, there are conservatives who are starting to tire of the current style of the federal government. We need to find the issues that we can agree on between Greens and some of those conservatives and convince them that if they want to change the problems with the current government, um, that the Green Party is a way to do that. Okay, I want to come back to that point, but I want to um, rewind a little bit. Um, um, Twenty, I believe it was 2012, the, the Federal Commission looking into boundary adjustments. They, As you mentioned there, they've included uh, Nelson, the rural area around Nelson, Salmo, Salmo and Caslow. And um, the riding has shed uh, Nakusp and some rural areas around there that went in, over into uh, the uh, Shushwap riding. Um, what do you think the effect of, of this boundary adjustment is going to be? Um, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's about 15 or 20,000. 
new voters from the West Kootenai, but I believe uh, the total numbers in the riding are um, higher up there, around 80, 85,000 85, last time around, 80,000 last time around. What do you think is going to be the impact uh, on this election? Uh, I think it has two impacts. I think it is uh, definitely beneficial for the Green Party. In the last provincial uh, election in Nelson Creston, Shane Dirks, uh, running for the Green Party, to be the MLA, uh, garnered 20% of the vote. He ran a strong campaign. Uh, and those Green-oriented voters are increasingly learning that uh, a vote for the Greens is a positive vote for the kind of change they want. We also see that reflected in the fact that we now have uh, one, well now two green MPs. We have a green MLA now in, in uh, southern Vancouver Island mm-hmm. and now a green MLA in New Brunswick. So it's increasingly happening that people are saying, hey, we can vote for green MPs, green MLAs, and they're going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, So I'm really encouraged by the addition of those areas that I think I already mentioned the other piece of that, which is there are a lot of people that are committed to uh, the Green Vision and the Green Party in that area, and they're really throwing their weight behind this campaign in so many ways, and that's going to make a big difference. Uh, And and the second point uh, from when you were speaking before is you're talking about the issues that resonate um, with people across the political spectrum and trying to identify those and and get out the vote based on those issues. Um, In your view, what are those issues? Uh, Well, I think one is, uh, number one on that list is having an MP that can represent the constituents of this right into Ottawa. I think they're across the political spectrum and within the Conservative Party, there are uh, some who really think that the system has got turned upside down and they're disillusioned with the way it works now and we need to create a system, build a system where um, MPs really represent their constituents. And part of that's just simple, good, hard constituency work, which is going around, spending lots of time in the communities before the election, but more importantly, after the election and uh, listening to and, uh, local governments, listening to uh, organizations and individuals about what they want to see uh, addressed in, through changes in legislation and policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the key thing that I think we can that cuts across the political spectrum, as, as you suggest. Another piece is uh, I think there is a strong constituency across the political spectrum, obviously not universal, not universally across the spectrum of people who are concerned about the erosion of democratic rights within Canada. We have the current fear campaign around terrorism and uh, that then precipitating the Conservative government introducing Bill C-51. We're just doing some work now to flesh that out, but we think there are Conservatives and others who uh, are concerned about the threats but are also equally concerned, perhaps more concerned about Well, the most important thing for us is to maintain our democratic rights. For example, a fundamental principle of democracy is that of habeas corpus, where you're innocent until presumed, sorry, presumed innocent until proven guilty. And uh, that's being eroded by this concept that people could be put in jail for uh, seven days with any charges laid against them. And we saw a similar thing with the War Measures Act uh, 
35 years ago. What do you what what are, sorry sorry to interrupt there, but what what are you yeah. hearing from constituents in this writing on this one? I know Bill C fifty one has a lot of um, a lot of media dialogue and national dialogue on this uh, on this this particular bill, and it's it's the topic right now. I mean, an observation might be that. Uh, um, things like this uh, rally uh, a conservative base. What what are you hearing about from people from constituents on on this particular issue? I think there's a huge shift going on. I think at the outset there was, you know, there had been so much media coverage of I don't even call them terrorist attacks. I want to call them uh, um, simply violent acts that were committed by people who uh, were. Misled and uh, taken down, went down the wrong path. Not really terrorists, mm-hmm. but in any case, people were concerned about that. And Bill C fifty one at the outset seemed to address that. But I think people are reading the news, paying attention to the media, seeing some of the criticisms that are being made about it, and certainly on the issue of parliamentary oversight of the work, in the security workings of the RCMP and CSIS are. Increasingly, I'm hearing people say, yeah, that has got to be fixed. There has to be a way. We can't rely on judges when uh, CSIS agents go and try and get authorizations for various disruptive or uh, activities. Present their side of the case. There's no corresponding defense. One can't expect judges to effectively provide oversight of those activities. Uh, We have to look to Parliament to do that and build the institutions to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what what are the uh, messages and issues that you're going to be communicating to to your base to the to the Green Party base? How do you? Uh, w- w- what are really the core Green messages that uh, that you're putting out there in this writing? Uh, well, economy and jobs are always key issues every election, and you know, particularly in this writing. Uh, some of the communities are doing better than others, but there are lots of communities with high unemployment rates, high youth unemployment. Uh, we are talking, I am talking about a green economy and green jobs and how we, the policies to build that. Uh, and I actually think we do have a green economy now. We have people working in uh, forest management. If it has appropriate certification, that's a green job working in reforestation, lots of people based in Revelstoke doing that. I think that's part of a green economy. Can we build that more? Absolutely. There's much more work to be done in mining reclamation, uh, provided the incentives are right. So those are the things that uh, we have to work on uh, to build green economy and green jobs. Mm-hmm. I think another piece of that is you know, we have to be working towards energy efficiency. We have to be working towards energy efficiency in our homes. Uh, the eco-energy program was kind of proven darn effective in uh, in reducing home energy consumption, reducing carbon emissions associated with that, and uh, reducing people's costs. I mean, it was a triple win situation. Uh, so certainly talking about that, talking about green infrastructure, and uh, which means you know many of our communities are 100, 120, 140 years old uh, with aging water infrastructure, sewer infrastructure, roads, etc. And it's a, it's a tremendous deficit and tax burden on those uh, municipal governments to catch up on the deficit of, re, of, of infrastructure requiring repair. 
we have to be, the federal government does support infrastructure programs in communities, but that needs to be targeted at green infrastructure, so water systems that actually uh, fix leakages, reduce the amount of water that's taken out of our streams and rivers. Uh, and I think there's another great example in uh, in the Revelstoke Golden Area, which is, uh, yeah, the Green Party supports the twinning of the Trans-Canada Highway because it is an urgent safety concern. But we have to be taking a longer view, which is we have to make the railway system through there more efficient, make sure it's completely twinned so we can get some of the truck traffic in the longer term, get some of the truck traffic um, uh, off the highway and then to modal on trains. And I think that's a, a key safety issue in the longer term. Okay, uh, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, I would be remiss in not um, addressing the Trans Canada issue in the question. Uh, um, obviously, the the twinning is something that you've touched on there, but I haven't heard, uh, as far as I re- can recall, this this election or last election talk of twinning the railway. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about uh, what you mean and what uh, what the federal involvement in that would be? Um, so uh, it is. It's- you well know it's a private railway owned by CP, mm. um, and uh, much of it through the Rogers Pass is double track, but not all of it. So you end up with um, uh, slowdowns in those areas. Trains having the uh, eastbound trains having to pull off and wait for westbound trains to go through that kind of thing. So if we have a fully twin track system, we can have one track going one way, one the other way, and um, and I think we need to look at, okay, what incentives can the government provide to CP that are in the public interest that uh, lead us to that enhanced uh, rail infrastructure that we need? And trying to, as a consequence of that, try and improve the passenger rail experience as well. And, and since I'm new to this, uh, do you have a ballpark uh, figure on, on how much something like that would, uh, would cost? I have no idea. Uh, and uh, so, you know, what we're essentially, what we are suggesting is okay, the major investment in uh, four-laning the uh, Trans-Canada through Rogers Pass has to be made. Uh, but let's begin doing the work to first find, well, find out, is it feasible? What are the in- additional costs? How much is already uh, twin track? Even if we are twin-tracked, where do we need more lengthy sidings to make the system work better? So start with a feasibility study, business plan, and investment strategy to move that ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Bill Green, um, I do appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk to us here at the Revelstoke Mountaineer. And I just, I'll, I'll leave you with one last question. Do you have any um, visits to Revelstoke planned in, in the next couple of weeks? And, and if not, when, when do you anticipate you'll be uh, um, knocking, doing some door knocking that you talked about uh, up here in Revelstoke? Yeah, I've actually got a few trips up there. I'll be there April 9th and 10th. Uh, that's my work, but certainly evenings or other times are available. And then I'm there again uh, a week later. And uh, yeah, I, maybe tying that in with a weekend spent door knocking. So hoping mid-April I'll be doing some door knocking in Revelstoke. Okay, Bill, I'm going to sign off. Um, Just uh, hold on until after the recording ends here, but that's uh, Bill Green, Kootenai Columbia Columbia candidate for uh, the Green Party in the upcoming federal election. Thank you, Bill. Thanks very much, Aaron.